0: This is the Action Network Podcast.
1: Crushed it. It's good. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible.
0: (laughs) Big bank, small bank, I like to make money.
2: All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to
3: bet? And welcome to another edition of the Action Network Fantasy Flex Podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon here with Sean Kerner. And we have a very exciting guest for you guys today as we continue to talk about wide receivers. Uh, No one better to talk wide receivers than Matt Harmon, football writer and analyst at Yahoo Sports. And of course, the creator of uh, Reception Perception. Matt,
1: how's it going, man? What's going on, guys? I'm glad we got all of the uh, needless discussion about L.A. geography that literally everyone that does not live in L.A. hates. Are we glad we got that out of the way before we started recording. I'm very excited to talk to you guys today. Um, I love this, like... This year's just draft board of wide receivers is awesome in general. I mean, I feel very lucky that, like, I, I, I've i been studying this position for so long, and it feels like it's kind of coming ahead now with all of these just good players, the position. But really, like, the meat of fantasy drafts is the guys we're going to cover today. And uh, I'm pretty excited to hear, you know, what you guys think about these players as well.
3: Oh, yeah, no, it's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm so glad you joined us. Um, and uh, and Sean, how's, uh, how's it going out here? Uh, with you i'm back on the east coast you're in la what's good yeah i miss you over here man um
2: i'm just excited that you know recording this a week away from the hall of fame game so we're about to see some of these players in action i can't wait to see uh the rookies in preseason um you know just after a, a year where we didn't have preseason you know i
3: i think i took it for granted so
2: i'm just <laughs> stoked that we're, we're gonna get preseason back this year can't wait
3: yeah, man. It's, it, you know, you're, you know, you're a degenerate when you like you miss like preseason DFS. <laughs> like I can't play the team's number eight wide receiver. Like what's going on here. Um, all right, guys, we're going to get, we're going to get right into this. Um, we're going to talk about, um, it's kind of going to, the theme is going to kind of be wide receiver twos. Um, so we're going to talk about, you know, who we're targeting, you know, in that ADP and then, you know, guys that have that kind of upside in, in the neck and kind of the wide receiver three ADP and, and guys are avoiding as well. So let's, um, let's start it off though, Matt, uh, you know, you do, as you mentioned, you, you've studied this position for a, a long time. Um, and, and you came up with a, a kind of method, methodology to evaluate wide receivers, um, called reception perception, which, uh, I, I, personally love, um, just talk a little bit about that and how it's kind of aided you, um, in evaluating the position.
1: Yeah. So for those who are unfamiliar with perception perception, one of the real cool things is this year, it's now officially its own website receptionperception.com independent outlet very excited about it and it's been great to i think try to try to make this information more easier to navigate try to uh, give it in a way that folks can really you know dive into individual players they can dive into league wide data and basically the goal with reception perception i mean you guys know this and all your very smart listeners know this that wide receiver is so it's probably the position perhaps without in the entire NFL that is the most dependent on outside variables in order to accrue production. And, you you know, you can look at a player's stats and it doesn't even come close to telling you the whole story about the guy. Obviously you need, one is you just need a good quarterback, right, to put up numbers. But you also need that quarterback to have a good, a good offensive line. The receiver needs to be put in a position to uh, win via their skill set by the coaching staff. You need to be correctly evaluate, evaluated by the team that they're on. But I think reception perception is the only thing out there, the only resource out there is going to properly isolate a wide receiver From their surroundings and I do that by going in over an eight game sample for NFL players and college players back again this year to and I chart every single route that they run in that game, how often they get open versus man zone press etc how often they run and get open on each individual route type so again the goal of reception perception is to take. All of these great wide receivers we know out there and not only just try to categorize them and show, you know, the readers and the viewers where they're good, what their skill set is, what position on the field, you know, slot, flanker, X receiver they might fill and then how that affects their production, but also isolate the wide receiver from those surrounding variables so that we can try to spot like who's good before everybody else knows that they're good. And that's kind of been the main purpose of, that people get excited about with reception perception. But obviously it's like a big old dork that I am. There's, you know, like 35 things I get excited about. So that's kind of the, uh, the long, uh, you know, Hollywood uh, terror, Hollywood uh, tower of terror uh, elevator pitch there for, uh, for reception perception.
3: Now, no pitch necessary. Um, it's really great. <laughs> um, and I always want, like, I, I'm always interested in this. Um, Cause I think about this a lot. So I wonder your opinion on like, um, you know, cause you mentioned the different receiver types and you have, um, what is it? The X who, on the line of scrimmage and then the, the, the flanker yep. is and the, Yeah. And then the flanker is kind of off. Right. Um, is it harder for X's to be consistent because of that? You know, they're kind of tethered to that line of scrimmage. Do you think?
1: Yeah. So one thing that I noticed, and this was probably, you know, this is the cool part about working with reception perception is there are things that, I thought about receivers or even would have said about receivers, you know, four or five years ago that I I don't think and would never say now. And I think the biggest thing was about probably three years ago. And I guess this should have been sort of, Inherently true, right? Maybe I should have realized it earlier, but exactly what you're saying is that where players line up really dictates not just how difficult their assignment is, but even can dictate, you know, how they perform in reception perception or what matters more. Like there are guys that line up in the slot. I'm thinking of players like Cooper Cup, uh, Juju Smith Schuster that have always been pretty big underperformers in terms of like man and press coverage and RP, but who cares? Because percentage of route wise, they're mostly running up against zone coverage and they're getting those layup routes from the inside. So that's part of it too. And and yeah, I think that the X receiver is the most difficult position to play. And And we probably won't get into this player today because he's a little further down the draft boards, but I think like Michael Gallup is a perfect example of this that, in Dallas last year, you know, they had uh CD Lamb, who I think is unbelievable and, and is, I think, actually could be more than just a slot receiver. But they had him lining up inside so often, seeing so many of those layup routes. I mean, almost in a similar way, like these two guys aren't even comparable, like skill set wise. But CD Lamb was almost like playing a Cooper Cup type of role last year, and, and it's just like this is a freak, big time athlete doing that assignment that's uh, that's pretty awesome, right? Like, you're going to get a ton of layups there. And then you have Amari Cooper playing that flanker. He gets moved around pre-snap. They get him away from press coverage, which is something he struggled with early on in his career. And then you have Gallup, like, running against press coverage, tight man coverage on the outside, running some of those vertical routes. And you saw that sort of inconsistency in his production even when the offense was popping off last year. I hope they move these guys around a little more in Dallas this year because I think that could actually, you know, maybe even increase Ceedee Lamb's ceiling if he's getting more of those vertical routes and also level out Michael Gallup as well so yeah I think Chris that's like a fantastic sort of point about receivers is where they line up can really dictate um, how inconsistent their production could be or really just also categorize how difficult uh, their assignment is I always used to think of it when I started out with reception perception in like 2013 ish it's like what is even the point of comparing a Calvin Johnson to a Wes Welker or Julian Edelman type, like they're basically playing two different positions.
3: Yeah, and you know, it's, I think you learn it because because that's what you're doing. You're watching, you're watching these guys, and you, you, you when you're playing fantasy and you have you're like invested in a player and you're watching him line up every snap. Like there's certain times when you just know a guy's not going to have a good game. When you're like, okay, yeah, yeah. he's on the line of scrimmage. This guy is shutting him down. He's not yeah. going in motion, and my I, I'm, I'm losing this week. So, um, yeah, I think think it's a great, great point and great points that you bring up about the differences. Um, Let's jump right into our targets. And uh, Sean, I'll go to you first, since uh, I know one of, you know, Matt, I know you you just kind of wax poetic about CeeDee Lamb, who um, has been shooting up everyone's draft board. But, um, you know, Sean, we kind of touched on this last pod. um, Who are some guys in that, you know, ADP 13 to 24 at wide receiver um, that that you're targeting uh, for this season?
2: Yeah, I, I think you knew this is coming, but the first guy is CD Lamb for me at wide receiver 15. Um, you know, I feel like every year there's a guy in this fit wide receiver 15 and 20 range that I'm targeting heavily before they turn into the wide receiver ones I know they are. Um, you know, Matt kind of said it earlier. It's like we're trying to target these good wide receivers until people realize they're good. Um, in this case, it's, uh, you know, they're elite receivers before people realize they're elite Um, So, you know, 2019, it was Kenny Galladay and Chris Godwin in this range. Last year is Calvin Ridley. This year it's Ceedee Lamb for me, I don't care if I sound like a broken record, bring him up on every pod, Uh, but he has top five upside as long as Dak stays healthy. Um, And last year, you know, he was limited to playing the slot. So his playing time was hovering around 70% all year. It's going to go up closer to 90%. As Matt was mentioning, you know, he could line up on the outside more be more of a deep threat. Like the, the sky's the limit for him. So I love getting him. Um, So wide receiver 15 does feel closer to his floor. Um, And then the, the other guy I'm targeting pretty heavily in this range is Robert Woods, uh, wide receiver 19. Uh, He seems like a no brainer there. Uh, Last year, his ceiling was held back a lot by Jared Goff. You know, he had an a dot of 7.1 yards. Uh, His yards per catch was 10.4. But you know we've seen him be a more explosive player back in 2018. He had an A dot of 11.3, a yards per catch of 14.2. So I wouldn't be surprised if you know his A dot goes way up with Stafford. Uh, we're going to see way more of these high value uh, high value targets um, in terms of deep passing, red zone passing. So I think Robert Woods' ceiling is much much higher. I view him as a low end wide receiver one now. So I love targeting a uh, wide receiver 19. And then, you know, both are teammates, Amari Cooper and Cooper Cup, either one, if, if I can't get C.D. Lamb or Robert Woods, I'm more than happy uh, to take any one of those uh, two teammates later, later in this um, wide receiver two tier, because they both have similar upside. I think that the market is overlooking just how much potential there is in both the Cowboys passing attack and
3: uh, Rams passing attack this year. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Matt, how about you? Who are you targeting uh, in this range?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I kind of love a lot of players in this range. You know, this is sort of where you really want to start. I think if you're drafting, you want to shift from your focus on running backs or maybe you've taken – Travis Kelsey early on and you want to start to shift into focus on on wide receivers and hammer like this this tier and honestly some of the next tier as well uh, because there's just so many quality players with path to playing time and legit skills and 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 available targets and everything like that so there's a lot of guys here and and I know we're going to discuss the Steelers later on uh, is kind of a a whole section so I'll skip out on Deontay there I love drafting Tyler Lockett in this range yeah I mean. He's like wide receiver 20, wide receiver 21 uh, across ADP sources. Like, obviously, we know that the journey that it took for him to be a top 12 performer last year was a rocky one, right? I mean, people are so upset about the fact that it was such an inconsistent ride. But for a couple of reasons, I don't really care about that. Number one, like, if you had Tyler Lockett on those weeks where he he crushed it, you won that week. Uh, I'm of the opinion that one player can win you a matchup One player cannot lose you a matchup. And overall, I mean, unless we expect him to lose playing time or lose targets, and we have zero reason to expect that, we shouldn't really worry about the fact that the the volatility was there because his usage doesn't really – Pertain to that. I think really it's just a, a Russ needs to play consistent over a full season, which I think we can, you know, we can reasonably project that as well. Uh, and I think Lockett's a stud. You know, this guy's been over the 90th percentile in success rate versus man coverage each of the last two years. I don't think there's any problem with him as a player. I'm actually kind of, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I feel really encouraged about like the idea of the Seahawks and Russ and kind of Pete Carroll with this old school running game philosophy sort of meeting halfway and potentially running a Rams style of offense with Shane Waldron coming over there like that seems like the perfect you know kind of meet in the middle of we want to run the ball we want to be a tough running team but also an efficient passing team you'd theoretically want that type of system on board I think this whole Seahawks offense like I still love drafting Russ where he's going DK and especially Lockett in this range I mean I just think he's a lock to outkick this draft cost if he stays healthy for a full season.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I love Tyler Lockett. Like that's the number one guy I look at in this range in terms of undervalued because, you know, wide receiver 15, three years ago, wide receiver 14, two years ago, wide receiver eight last year. Um, so he, as you mentioned, he's outkicked that ADP, um, you know, pretty consistently. And this is, it's funny because we're all talking about like, do we need the, the, the Seahawks to throw more and, and them to really unlock Russ. And it's like they, even with what they've been doing, You know, even in the Schottenheimer seasons, uh, you know, before last year, Lockett was fine, you know, because this guy, he's just a skilled guy. And and Sean, then I totally agree with you about the Rams receivers as well, um, because I think when you look at this team now, everything points to just a passing explosion. I mean, you have, you know, your centerpiece of the offense, Cam Akers going down. You have Sean McVay finally getting a quarterback that he kind of, um, you know, handpicked and and is comfortable with um, throwing it out there. And, And we know he's a genius. We know he can scheme Woods or cup open that's every play every play is schemed to get woods or cup open they just use you know the third receiver whether it was uh it's deshaun now whether it was cooks or watkins in the past they use him as like a decoy slash deep threat that's why we've seen those guys kind of underperform at times but the every play is designed to get woods or cup open we've seen both of them have humongous seasons and i see i I could see the rams being one of the top passing teams so um love all those guys um you know uh, Lockett. Cup, Woods um, at the, in this in this range. I, I think these, those are the guys to really target that, that you're getting some serious value. All right, let's move on to some guys that maybe we're, we're, we're avoiding a little bit. Um, Matt, I, I know you said you're not really quote unquote avoiding anyone. You know, this is kind of the tier you want to target in the, the 13 to 24 range. But is there anyone maybe that you're not quite as excited about, uh, you know, at their ADP or you think it's it's more fair and not a guy you're, you're necessarily, you know, jumping at? Um, to, to, to go after
1: yeah I don't think there's anybody I'm actively avoiding like you said in this tier it's, if they're if they kind of fall to the end of the tier then I'm in at this point you know with a guy like Amari Cooper fits into that range for me because I, I do really think CeeDee Lamb's gonna have that big explosive season that Sean outlined there I think that Michael Gallup is a value he's just if i'm drafting a cowboys receiver he's he's pr- just with cost obviously incorporated into it he's probably the one that i'm going after the least but i don't especially since he's hurt right now like i you know missing out on training camp is not ideal i don't think it's a big problem for the long term but he's kind of on that list for me and then the other one um i you know i i would take chris godwin ahead of mike evans this year if that counts as like an avoid in this tier um and also love taking antonio brown later in the draft as well i mean I realized that Antonio Brown has to have a discount because he's fricking Antonio Brown and like might fly off the reservation at any point, but like where he's going uh, in drafts right now is extremely attractive based on just kind of his outlook. And I think he wasn't quite in reception perception, like the Antonio Brown of old, by the way, the Antonio Brown of old was one of the two or three best to ever perform in RP. Uh, so he's not quite at that standard anymore, but still very well above average. And so I'd rather take those two bucks guys, um, you know, and, and I think Godwin goes in this tier. I think Evans goes in this tier, but like, I would rather target Godwin there over Evans or just take Brown later on.
3: Yeah. The, the buck situation is, is highly fascinating. I mean, just because you have Tom Brady, who is like, when is he going to slow down? And then we have these like three guys who can probably each, if they wanted to command 150 targets and, and catch hundred yeah. balls. And it's like, they can't all do it. And you still have Gronk at tight end and you, and you just got what did you just get geo Bernard who Gio like, Bernard for
1: I pass mean, catch and roll
3: it, it, you know this like Sean is always saying like that that second year of Peyton Manning when he set all the records it's like that I mean we might really see that out of Brady for I mean, real, even at yeah. even at this age so um but uh but Sean anyone anyone you're kind of avoiding in this uh wide receiver two tier uh but I, I think Matt put it perfectly i'm not avoiding these guys like i'm okay with any one of them that follow me but
2: i think a a good example would be um kenny galladay he's listed at wide receiver 23 on here that seems a bit high uh to me you know he's fallen to me at like wide receiver 30 in drafts and i'm more than okay um taking him there but you know going from matthew Stafford, to daniel jones is quite a drop off um he's not going to have that touchdown upside we're used to seeing with him um you know I, i think he does help elevate daniel jones game Um, And I think Daniel Jones is being underrated because of Kenny Galladay, but it doesn't work the other way around. Um, So I'm, I'm willing to just wait and get like either stud uh, Bengals wide receiver over a guy like Galladay if he's going that early. Uh, But the, the one guy that I have noticed that I'm getting very little shares of in this range is Adam Thielen at wide receiver 18. Um, You know, he's coming off a career high 14 touchdowns last year. He had an 18.9 touchdown percentage that is unsustainable. Um, So I'm projecting him to come back down to earth with 11.5% touchdown percentage, which is closer to nine touchdowns. Um, And, you know, the Vikings defense was really shaky last year. So they were able to throw it more. I think that the defense is going to improve. We're going to see more of these like run heavy game scripts. We're used to seeing with Dalvin Cook. Um, Mike Zimmer loves running the ball with the lead. Um, so, you know, I think Thielen's floor and ceiling are lower this year. And it's kind of incredible when, when you look at um, the top 20 receivers last year, uh, Thielen had the third worst rate where he he finished outside of the top 60, 27% of the time, which is remarkable thinking, you know, he scored 14 touchdowns and he, he put up that many duds. So I'm really worried about taking a guy like Thielen here when there's so many better options that I think have a higher floor and ceiling combo.
3: Yeah, Thielen was the guy that kind of stands out to me. Um, and, uh, you know, it's something we also talked about on the last show. It's I just think that touchdown rate that you hit on, Sean, is, is so um, unsustainable. I mean, this is, a, and don't get me wrong, really great receiver. Um, I think he does have skills to get open, you know, in, in the end zone and, and things of that nature. But he, he had 19 red zone targets and 13 touchdowns on those 19 red zone targets. That's unheard of. I mean, your average receiver is going to get like 25%, you know, like, you know, he should Steven should have had four to five touchdowns in the red zone and finished the year with like six, you know, and instead he gets 13. Um, And that's a credit to him. So credit to Kirk Cousins. But, uh, you know, I, th- I just think you look at the numbers even and, you know, I, I, something with receivers, I think we should also um, and it's kind of the theme uh, is like career arc and, you know, aging curves. And, you know, nowadays, it's usually that second year, sometimes even more so than the third year where a wide receiver breaks out. Um, but they also tend to kind of slow down as they get into their 30s. Uh, and, you know, Thielen, 80 yards per game at age 27, 86 yards per game at age 28. Um, and then down to 42 yards per game and an injury plagued age 29 year, rebounds to only 62 last year. So um, you know, if if the touchdowns go away, this is kind of it's a different receiver. It's it's not necessarily the same receiver um that's been putting up these big numbers, you know, three of the last four years. So uh I think that he's a guy to avoid. And and I'm Matt, I'm kind of with you on, on Amari Cooper um as well. It's it's not necessarily as much about him it's just about the fact that i think cd lamb is gonna see a bump and um I, I don't like taking guys that have injury issues like heading into the year yeah. so i mean I'm, I'm i'm looking out i'm monitoring that news but those guys always worry me because it's like especially this early in the draft it's like i have choices so like yeah you know and it's, it's nothing against Coop, who, who obviously has top 10 upside but um I, I just think there's no it's hard to go wrong and so we, you have to nitpick and because of that Um, you know, I think, I think Cooper lands on that list, uh, for me, um, let's, let's jump to the next tier. These are more so the wide receiver threes, um, you know, in ADP guys going in that 25 to 36 range across, um, most sites and, uh, Matt, I'll start with you again, like who are you targeting in that wide receiver three range who you may even feel comfortable, you know, starting them as your wide receiver two um, guys that you think have good value in this range.
1: Yeah, man, ton of good players here in this range that I like as well. Um, I'm back in on the Odell Beckham experience this year for sure. But um, the guy here in this tier right kind of at the top is Brandon Ayuk to me. I'm really interested to hear what you guys think about this because this is when I just did my projections. Like this is a tough offense to project because Mm -hmm. I think it's actually – like getting the 49ers right this year, I think might be the key to unlocking like fantasy football in 2021, because there are so many paths that this team could go down, you know, number one, the quarterback spot, right? Like, is it going to be Jimmy Garoppolo? Is it going to be Trey Lance? I think it'll be Trey Lance eventually, but for how long, yeah, well, how long is that going to take? Cause I think they're going to be two pretty different offenses. And I think Trey Lance, like not only could he reduce the overall passing volume of the offense, but he could also boost the efficiency yeah. of the offense as a whole. Like, I just think they're going to be a much more dangerous attack that scores more touchdowns with Trey Lance in there as opposed to Jimmy Garoppolo. So I'm actually not necessarily too worried about that. Also, with the volume of these guys, too, you know, you have to ask yourself, well, if I'm going to be higher on Iuk am I going to be lower on Debo or am I going to be like lower on Kittle than the market? You have to ask yourself those questions. And then also um, the history of rookie quarterbacks, like elevating a bunch of different guys is not so great. Uh, but at the same time, they do have a very truncated target tree. It's mostly just those three guys. They don't really have like a pass catching running back. They don't have like, who's going to be their third receiver, like Muhammad Sanu or Richie James. Like it's not exactly an attractive group there. So I'm really in on Brandon Ayuk because I think he profiles as a true stud receiver to me, you know, he is up there at 75.7% success rate versus man coverage against in reception perception as a rookie. And like, I expected him to be sort of a create a touch player, you know, like sort of like what Debo Samuel is, but He went out there in year one and was a stud route runner, above average success rate on every single route on the tree, wins vertical, wins short, wins intermediate, can beat press. Like I don't think the 49ers have had a receiver like this you know, I, I'm not even sure like Kyle Shanahan's offenses have had a receiver like this outside other than uh, Julio Jones that one year in Atlanta or a couple years in Atlanta there. I, I just think Ayuk profiles as somebody that I don't want to bet against like commanding a dominant target share within this offense. And again, I, I want to kind of be ahead of the curve on this offense in general, because I think they're about to sort of take that next step uh, this year, you know, rolling into the future years with Trey Lance there.
3: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on Ayuk. I think, I think, if there's one lesson that we continuously see where you you never want to kind of follow these like rules of thumb too far because there's always exceptions. And that's why we spend so much time breaking each player down. But like when in doubt, like a a wide receiver going in, entering year two, who is already pretty good in year one, like you're going to hit so much more than you're going to miss, you know, like there'll be a couple of times. And I think, I think Sean brought out like his, uh, I think he, it was, like, Denzel Mims, maybe the, the next, like, Dante Pettis. Like, he might be that guy that just, oh, yeah. like, you know, doesn't pan point. out, right? <laughs> but, like, in yeah. general, I mean, it's – like, you're going to hit so much more than you're going to miss. And you could just look at the, the – the you know, look at any, uh, like, class over the last, you know, 10, 15 years and just look at guys who had a pretty decent year. And even some guys who didn't have a good year one, you know, going a year time. Like, like, DJ Chart comes to mind. Guys like that. Mm-hmm. So – um it's just that year where players make a, a huge jump so um given how good ayuk was already um he's one of those guys that it does, it may not matter who else is there it's just the skill yeah, is exactly. there. And that's, and, and, and that's, you know, true. it's
1: like there's there's a difference between like Dante Pettis' level of flashing and like Denzel Mims' level of flashing yeah. and like what Ayuk did last right. year, you know? And like, right. I know people get hung up on the small sample of like, you know, like four or five games where all three of these guys played together or whatever. But it's like, listen, this is like the normal trajectory of a receiver is like he's, as a rookie, starts out a little slower. And then once they're cooking by the end of the year, they're earning a dominant target share and stuff like that. And that was what Ayuk was doing. I don't see... Any scenario where Kyle Shanahan's like, well, listen, we got to dial back Ayuk's touches or something. Like, give me a break. This guy, I think, is, is like the next stud receiver. I think he's right up there, with, in my mind, with guys like Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb as like the one to take that elite step uh, this year, even if Justin Jefferson has already done it.
3: Yeah, and just to put some numbers on this, I mean, Ayuk averaged – five catches for 62 yards a game last year and I went back over the last three decades and I looked at the aging curves for every different age range of wide receiver and you know guys going from age 22 to age 23 on average their receptions yards uh and and touchdowns increased by about 20 percent per game um from from in that age range so I mean this like if you just look at that year one, you know, five catches, 62 yards, about 0.4 touchdowns per game. I mean, you're, you could be looking at a top 10 receiver easily um, in year two um, if you kind of project that forward. So I, I like that call there.
0: This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new signup offer for our listeners a $600 risk free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts, Plus, they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, or one 888 3500 in Virginia. Bet sync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show.
3: Sean, who are you looking at in this, uh, in this wide receiver three range as far as guys you're targeting? Uh, Sorry,
2: I mentioned these guys earlier, but um, I I like the idea of getting either Jamar Chase or T Higgins um, as your wide receiver three. I I think both of them could easily provide wide receiver two value uh, this year if Burrow stays healthy. Um, T Higgins usually falls a bit later. So he's typically the guy I target in this range. Uh, He flashed a ton of upside as a rookie. Um, You know, he wasn't even a full-time player until week three. So we really had weeks three through 11 where he was a full-time player and Joe Burrow was quarterback, um, and he was wide receiver nineteen. Um, so, you know, and he was even able to put up wide receiver 28 numbers weeks 12 through 16 with Brandon Allen and Ryan Finley under center, which I always think is a good sign when you just put up quality yeah. numbers with horrific, <laughs> play, like that's a really good sign. So yes, you know, Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd could eat into his target share. Um, I'm not too worried about that because this should be a pass happy team with plenty of negative game scripts. So wide receiver 28 feels closer to his floor. Um, So I love being able to get a guy with so much upside where I think he's being drafted closer to his floor. And then I can't get away if I don't mention this guy every year. Um, I I typically have two hard and fast rules. Number one, don't draft a kicker defense if you don't have to. (laughs) And number two, don't underestimate Robbie Anderson. Um, You know, I, I think he's still cheap, way too cheap at wide receiver 35. Um, I was surprised last year when Joe Brady used him as his ex-receiver, you know, the Michael Thomas role in this offense, um, he had a really diverse route tree than we're used to seeing. He's not just the deep threat in this offense. So I think he has a higher weekly four ceiling combo and he already has that chemistry of Sam Darnold. Um, I don't think Sam Darnold's going to take this offense necessarily to like the the top tier, um, but coming off a year where the, this offense only threw for 16 passing touchdowns, they are due for some positive Touchdown on regression. So I love getting uh, Robbie at wide receiver 35 this year.
1: What's the he, logic like across the industry for having and- Anderson at like 35? Like, I don't.
2: Yeah, he's always underrated. Uh, underrated. Like.
1: Yeah. I mean, ahead. I, I, I I think that, like, Terrace Marshall could dig in, and obviously, McCaffrey could dig into the target share, too. I really like Terrace Marshall as a prospect, and he's already kind of flashing in camp and all that stuff. But I just don't really see how Anderson is going to lose too much volume. I don't see really the team taking too much of a step away from the way they called plays last year and being, you know, relatively a pass friendly environment. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if Sam Darnold's better than Teddy Bridgewater, but Teddy Bridgewater was not very productive in terms of like where – like the money areas, you know, like red zone, third down, fourth down, all that type of stuff. I I, I don't really – I'm with you, Sean. I, I don't really understand where – like what the deal with Robbie Anderson is and, and, and the fact that they gave him more layups last year. I would love – I actually would love to see them be a little more multiple with their receiver usage. Like I think they were too pigeonholed to having Curtis Samuel in like the slot receiver role. I think they were too pigeonholed And having um, DJ Moore as their vertical receiver when I think those guys could all have been a little more interchangeable. Um, but I, I think there's still going to be plenty of layups for Robbie Anderson and maybe some more deep passes would actually um, level out his weekly upside that we saw kind of evaporate from early of the year.
3: Yeah. And like, like if there was ever a a pro Sam Darnold argument, it's the fact that (laughs) Robbie Anderson is actually great with Sam Darnold. Like they, those two actually had a a really good connection. um, And and the numbers kind of back it up. You know, when, um, if you compare, you know, Darnold's numbers with Anderson and Anderson's numbers with Darnold to, to with everyone else um, you know, those, those two hit it off. So I think that Robbie Anderson is is an absolute steal um, going at wide receiver 35. And, and yeah, for me, it's, it's uh, some of the guys you, you guys already mentioned. I, I love Brandon. I, uh, I love T Higgins. And, and I know we're about to talk about the Steelers a little more in depth because um, I, I think it's a really interesting situation with three guys who kind of are almost interchangeable in, in how you project them to an extent, but um, I love chase Claypool. I, I think yeah. you don't bet against talented, uh, wide receivers entering year two because you know the volume is already kind of what it was to get them to a good place in year one for, for all these guys we're talking about and a lot of times you see an increase in year two not just because of okay their, their role is growing but just because their skill set is growing and, and claypool is like he's almost like the the, the poor man CD lamb in, in a way in the sense that like he also didn't run a full complement of routes um, that the, the amount that he could have like he was up and out in the 60 70 percent. Uh, for, for a lot of the year so and even into the postseason so i um, huge huge uh upside there i think for for him so um i'm targeting a bunch of those those year three guys um year two guys excuse me uh matt who are we looking to to fade if anyone in that in that wide receiver three range
1: yeah there's Couple of well, three guys in this range that I find myself not really drafting very often. One, and it's mostly because of just like ambiguous situations. The first one is DJ Chark, uh, wide receiver, thirty-three ish, mm-hmm. right around there. I mean, mostly because, like, guys, what what's what are the odds that like Marvin Jones just straight up out produces <laughs> DJ Chark? Like, the, yeah. would you be like like five percent surprised? You know, I mean, no. and I I think oh. yeah. Up, up, yeah, right? Like, I mean, like, 0% surprise okay, that can happens, we, basically.
3: Can we get the roll call? Like, let's do it. Like, uh, I'll, I'll give the odds maker the first crack at it. Like, give us your odds of, like, the three Jags receivers. <laughs> like, what are their percentages of finishing as the top I, Jag receivers?
2: I, I'm saying it's closer than people think. And I, I think that's what Matt's alluding to. I think that, you know, Chark probably has the, the best odds of being the highest scoring yeah. receiver, but we don't really know how it's going to shape up. So I'd put, like, Chark at – um 50, I'd put Chenault probably at 30 and Marvin Jones at 20. And people probably think that those are too close together.
3: I I'd probably yeah. have it even closer. I'd probably put like Chenault at 35, Chark at 35, and Jones at 30. because like Chenault entering year two with the with the prospect of getting like easy catches, and you know what I mean? Like it's yep. it's You're so close.
2: That, that extra 10% is Colin Johnson. Is that what uh, no, no, no? I, I said 35,
3: 35, 30. There, that's a hundred, right? Oh. I just meant of those three. Of
2: five percent chance it's Colin Johnson.
3: Oh yeah, there's, there's it's, it's, <laughs> like we don't know. That's a, that's a, that's, a, that's yeah. what I think
1: Matt is alluding to. Five percent, five is uh, Tim Tebow. I don't know. I mean Travis Etienne. <laughs> Travis Etienne, like yeah, 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 yeah. The, yeah. the slot receiver. <laughs> yep. Well, I think the thing with these receivers too is like this is this is definitely you mentioned to Sean up the top like preseasons coming up. I. I have no idea how Urban Meyer is going to handle this thing, but I would love to see like deployment of these three receivers in, um, in preseason, because, you know, I know like a lot of people freaked out about, um, when about Lavisca Chenault when they talked about Travis Etienne in this like gadget slasher role, but I was like, good, we buddy, we don't want like Lavisca Chenault getting you know carries and little six yard a dot passes. Like we want him playing almost like the like the 2018 version of like what Juju did is like a big slot receiver, yeah. Like that gets some vertical targets as well. I think Chenault could crush it in that role. Like if we see him lining up as that big slot, like sign me up for him to be that guy because i think he can you know he's awesome after the catch you know people are going to look at his like overall reception perception rates like i said against man and press and 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 worry a little bit but again what i'm focused on for interior receivers is can they beat zone can they win in contested situations and can they win after the catch check 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 for chenault and i think he can he's a guy that could be really good in, in that role, but he's definitely like a, the coaches need to use him right way. And then yeah. Marvin Jones just outkicks his, his ADP every single year, despite the fact who he's playing across. So I, I'm in on drafting him. I think the gap has got to be closer between him and Chark. And, you know, just one more thing on urban Meyer, like I'm not an urban Meyer guy. Nobody's an urban Meyer guy. Like nobody, nobody thinks like, Oh, this guy's like a, a, a great dude or whatever. Maybe he shouldn't have said, the thing about DJ Chark, you know, play big guy that played small last year. Maybe you like took offense to him saying it in public, but not wrong. He was not wrong about that assessment. Like Chark did not play well in 2020 on an individual reception perception basis. So maybe he bounces back to the 2019 version of the player, but I think there's enough ambiguity there to just bypass Chark and take those other two Jags receivers, especially Jones. Cause the gap between their ADP just doesn't, really make a lot of sense to me. When they went out, Daryl Bevel, former Lions offensive coordinator, went out and made sure they got Marvin Jones there. So I, I'm fading shark. And just the two Denver receivers to me, I'm, I haven't really taken a lot of them. Like them both as players, but I don't know about you guys. I have a lot of questions about the fact that, like, across consensus rankings and in ADP right now, the Broncos have two top 40 receivers, two, two even, like, top 35 receivers in some places, a top 10 tight end in Noah Fant, a rookie running back that everybody's gassed up about, but they're going to have a top five defense most likely this year, and they're captained by Teddy Bridgewater and or Drew Locke. Like, I don't know. Somebody's not going to hit here. I think it could probably be Fant more likely than the receivers, but because of just like I'm not sure which receiver pops this year between Judy and Cortland Sutton, I haven't really been proactively drafting either. The answer is Tim Patrick. Yeah, right. And they still have like good ancillary players, too. It's not like a, a San Francisco situation where it's like are you Kittle, Samuel, and that's it. They Tim Patrick is a good player. They have yeah. KJ Hamler is like J. a Hamler. speed slot receiver. Yeah. So the fact they have all these other ancillary targets um, that are good, they have two running backs. I still think Melvin Gordon's going to mix in in some way. And they're probably going to be a run first team because you know, this, and also like it's Pat Shermer pulling the, pulling the trigger here, not Kyle Shanahan at the controls of this offense. So there's just a lot of ambiguity in this Denver situation. And I know that like Teddy Bridgewater supported plenty of good fantasy receivers last year but that was playing with Carolina's defense in much more like pass friendly situations and I think Denver's going to be pretty conservative as an offense uh this year yeah
3: that's so true like I I, it's hard to get a handle on Sutton um because you know he was so good uh the year before and then he goes down and now he's coming back to just a it's not like a diff, totally different situation, but it's like that combined with the injury. It, it's just there's just a lot of question marks, and I agree. There's, there's still enough other guys. I mean, you have Robbie Anderson going after, um, you know, uh, Sutton in, in most uh, drafts. So there's just guys that you can take that I think you feel better about uh, in that range. Sean, um, anyone you're avoiding here? Uh,
2: I mean, Devonte Smith at wide receiver thirty seems a bit rich for me. I think you know I can't blame anybody for taking him at ADP, you're certainly betting on talent. I think he'll be a quality wide receiver. I'm not worried about his weight, you know, being too light or anything like that. It just, I was a bit disappointed on his landing spot. I thought he'd be a good fit for the lions. You know, he'd be yeah. the alpha receiver out of the gate. Um, and the reason why we're drafting Jalen hurts is his rushing ability, not because he's an accurate passer. So I think, you know, his accuracy issues. If they continue, will hurt a guy like Smith. So I, I'm just taking uh, Jamar Chase just a couple of picks earlier. If if you want to invest in like a talented rookie in a good situation, I think Jamar Chase is the way to go. Um, and then the other guy is Debo Samuel at uh, wide receiver 34. Um, you know, Matt alluded to it. They're, they're a tricky team to project because at some point Trey Lance should take over. Um, this is going to be a pretty run heavy team, um, and I think. Brandon Ayuk is the guy that you want to take a gamble on. I think he could be a better fit with uh, Trey Lance. But when, when Trey Lance is under center, you know, he's a scrambling quarterback. So a low dot player like Debo Samuel could be canbalized a bit by, you know, his scrambling. Um, so, you know, and, and in this range, I think you should be targeting high ceiling players anyway. So this is when you take your flyer on like a Will Fuller type of guy. Whereas Debo Samuel, he's like more of a high floor guy that, we can't even say he has a high floor because we just don't know if he's going to have that volume this year. So he's a guy I've been fading in this range just based on my draft st- strategy. Um, even though I do think he's a good receiver, he just doesn't fit into my draft plans.
3: Yeah, I think you know, Samuel's another guy that's tough. Um, I'm not. I wouldn't say I avoid him because I, I think um, you know, as Matt kind of alluded to, that, that San Francisco offense, the targets are kind of locked in to an extent, and, and they, and one thing is that they do scheme their guys. Like Debo Samuel gets schemed. Um, plays and catches and runs and so I think especially in a full PPR I, I don't think he's a guy to avoid. I do think he's a guy that could end up with like a, a, a disappointing um, uh, touchdown uh, you know touchdown total or a disappointing like a lot of catches but not as many yards as you'd want kind of guy. But I, I don't think he's a guy that will necessarily bust or anything like that. I'm kind of I'm kind of in terms of the guys that I could see busting the most uh, in this range. I think it is uh, DJ Chart number one who I. I I I really don't think Urban Meyer is is on likes this guy, and and the fact that he had a a really poor rookie year before kind of exploding almost by necessity in year two, um, you know, not to take anything away from him, but uh, you know we've seen kind of bad DJ Chark in two of his three seasons, (laughs) you know, in, in in a sense, and. Um, you know, and then for, for Meyer to kind of go, you know, they, they, they everything changes. This is not the, the guy who drafted him. This is not the regime that drafted him. Uh, the, you have, uh, uh, you know, uh, as Matt talked about the, them going and getting a new offensive coordinator and getting a new, well, you know, outside wide receiver and, and and kind of talking about shifting things around and adding more guys to the receiver mix. So it, there's, the writing's on the wall for Chark, And then Sutton is, is yeah, it's just because of the ambiguity and, and the fact that they're – their biggest holes of the team—they're—they're they're great on defense—and then their biggest holes on offense are like quarterback and center. Uh, that doesn't bode well necessarily for like the passing game, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. And like and that's not to say like you know the, Christian Berry could be a lot better in year two, but he—you know—grading-wise, he was just one of the worst um, play, players in the league at center in, in year one, and then um, yeah, Locke and, and Bridgewater haven't exactly you know impressed in their careers either. So uh, just just a situation. I'm not really. Um, digging in, in fantasy, but I, I do a situation. I think I, I want to talk about this um, as kind of its own topic, because I think it's, it's so it's fascinating and it's important. And Matt, you kind of mentioned like getting San Francisco, right. Is, is one of the keys. And I think another one is going to be getting the Pittsburgh Steelers receivers, right? Because yeah, I mean, you talk about a, a team with, with multiple receivers in you know in that kind of top 30 top 40 and at the same time you have an aging quarterback who didn't look quite right last year but but an offense who passed a a, a ton considering that it's just a bunch of short stuff and it was just a weird looking offense um they're going to change some things but so uh just like how do you how what do you make of the Steelers wide receiver trio with Deontay and, and Chase Claypool and, and Juju and how, do you, how are you uh, ranking them
1: Yeah, I love talking about the Steelers because they're one of those situations where, like you said, three top 35, top 30 in certain outlets receivers. They've got a running back that everybody wants to draft in like the top 13 running back picks, but they have a, a quarterback that absolutely no one wants to touch. That doesn't make any sense. Either Roethlisberger is going to outkick expectations, give it one last good run, or all of like almost all of these players are going to bust uh, because Roethlisberger is just totally toast. Um, it's it's one of those really like once you go out and project it, like run the, through the projections, you got to I think you learn a lot about the team and and you really kind of learn where you stand on it. And I hope that they change things offensively because that was one of the worst teams to watch offensively last year, especially like if you were invested in Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool or whatever, you knew this was just going to be like a slog. Like don't even watch those primetime games. Like when they played the Bengals on Monday night, just check your scores at the end of it, see how it went, but do not watch a second of this team. They were that tough to watch, especially when they were going against like Brandon Allen or Ryan Finley, whoever the hell it was last year. So yeah, I I think that the way I look at this receiver core um, I'm, I'm a big Deontay Johnson fan. I know that he had like a terrible yards per target, had a bunch of drops. Uh, I don't really tend to, to buy into drops as being a big problem because it's not a sticky stat year over year. I think if you can do enough good coaches will live with the drops and you know, Johnson got benched for like a quarter and a half last year because of the drops. But immediately then as soon as he gets back in there for the next couple of games, Ben goes right back to him. I think targets are earned, um, which is why that's he kept continuing to get looks is because Ben thinks he's a good player. The offensive coordinator, and the head coach clearly think he's a good player. And reception perception thinks he's a good player, man. This guy gets open like nobody's business. 95th percentile success rate versus man coverage last year. Top 10, number one against zone coverage last year. Really strong 76% rate against press. Like, he gets open at a level like – you know, the old Antonio Brown or like a Keenan Allen type of player. Um, and it's not just on slants and stuff like that. I know that's where you got a lot of targets last year. I think they were using him in that way to try to like manufacture a running game when they didn't have one, you know, the, the Patriots have done that in years past when they didn't have a great running game. They almost used like Julian Edelman as an outlet there. But I think Deontay, when you look at, you go on reception perception.com, you search Deontay Johnson, he lights up that route tree, you know, deep, outside breaking routes. I think he can be more than the player he was last year. So I'm betting on him not losing like a ton of volume. I'm betting on a boost in efficiency if they don't just run the same miserable passing game last year. And I'm with you, Chris, that I think you don't bet against chase Claypool either who also comes with a really good reception perception profile and actually has like a similar route tree to DK Metcalf as a rookie. Both of those guys were 50% slants and nines in reception perception as rookies. Like I think he can, expand his game maybe not be as good as DK is but can be sort of in that same territory and Juju to me is just kind of the odd man out like I think we've seen like where I think that Deontay has a bit more of an unknown ceiling Um, I think that Juju like needs the right offensive environment to get the type of targets and the, produce the type of efficiency that he had in years past I'm just not really betting on him uh, out of these three guys I'm, I'm not like proactively avoiding him either but I guess based on the way I feel about the receivers, I think these guys can drag Ben Roethlisberger to one last like decent year. Especially if they incorporate more play action, uh, if they incorporate more motion and more modern progressive ideas like that. You know, Ben might resist it, but I do think the change to Matt Canada as the offensive coordinator was a a, a good signal. So I'm, I just think Deontay Johnson is too good to fail. Uh, And I think Chase Claypool is on that upward trajectory as well. I wouldn't be surprised if by, you know, the end of 2022, if they get their quarterback situation, right. Eventually we're talking about this as one of the better receiver duos in the NFL.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's already, I would say one of the better trios, you know, it's just, yeah, uh, there's some weird things going on in Pittsburgh. Um, You know, like it just kind of weird confluence of factors with, you know, that, that, that weird offense with Ben aging, with the defense being so good. Um, With with them not being able to run, it was just all these this confluence of factors that kind of made, for lack of a better word, it was just weird. It was weird Weird. last year, but it was it was it was profitable in fantasy. I mean, guys were getting catches, guys were getting, guys are producing. Um, so you know, it's an it's an important situation to get right. Um, Sean, like, what are your thoughts on the on the Steelers' receiving core? Anyone you kind of stands out as over undervalued, or you think their ADPs are all pretty uh, on on point?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much in line with ADP on all three of these guys. I think that uh, Matt summed up pretty well, and you know Deontay Johnson, I do think has the best four ceiling combo of the three. Um, you know, he led the NFL drops last year with 15. Um, I don't think that's a sticky stat either. It, it just shows that he's getting open and getting targets. That's really all we care about. So I think he'll correct those mistakes heading into this year. I love his upside. Whereas you know Chase Claypool has the highest ceiling by far. Out of the three, I mean, he has legit wide receiver one potential yeah. if things go right. Um, but And the only concerns I have with him have nothing to do with him. Um, last year he had the lower floor because he was splitting some time with James Washington at the end of the year. But Mike Tomlin even admitted he was doing that to prevent him hitting his rookie wall. So I don't think playing time is going to be an issue this year. Um, but when it comes to, like, Big Ben getting older and their offensive line being shaky – I do worry that we're going to see big Ben getting rid of it quickly. Um, Last year, he got rid of it. The fastest rate last season, 2.3 seconds per drop back. I think he's going to continue to have to get rid of it quickly uh, with a shaky O-line. So I think that could hurt, you know, Chase Claypool's upside in the vertical passing game. Um, But, you know, pound for pound, Claypool has one of the highest ceilings in this range. So I have no problem targeting there. And Juju, we know we're going to get with him. He has the highest floor for his ADP out of the three, like um, he's probably not going to win your league. He's probably not going to lose your league either. You pretty much know what you're going to get with him. And that's just not exciting a draft. So I've been, you know, uh, targeting guys like Deontay or Chase Claypool in spots because of that.
3: Yeah. I'm, I, I think Claypool is my favorite of the three to pick. I think he's the guy that, you know, he was on par. I mean, 923 yards for Deontay, 831 for Juju, 873. Uh, for Claypool. So he was right on par with, you know, guys two years older than him, guys that have been in the league longer, been with, been with their veteran quarterback longer. Um, and, and he put up those numbers in year one, uh, nine touchdowns compared to Juju's nine and, and Deontay's seven. So, I mean, this guy Claypool, even in a, in a situation where it was crowded and um, he had to really earn his targets as, as Matt, you kind of, you know, if targets are earned. Um, he earned them like, and that, that was year one. So, um, I think he's the guy that I'm targeting. And then I, I do agree. I think I'm going to go a little contrarian. Um, I think compared to you, Matt uh, on, on Deontay versus Juju. Cause I think just based on ADP uh, I don't see a huge difference between them overall. I think like, I do agree that like with your evaluation on Johnson, I think he's a great player. I think he can get open. Um, and I think, but I think Juju can as well. And I just think when you look at their ADPs, like Johnson's going at 22 Juju's going at 31. Yeah. I just think that because I'm not like, I think they're going to be projection wise. They project out pretty similarly. I mean, even last year, you know, Juju 6.5 yards per target, Deontay 6.4, you know, he had more drops. So you figure that those are, it's kind of a, a very, their targets are worth, I think, very similar fantasy numbers at the end of the day, like, and when you I think the, the last year was the better year, it's gonna go down as the better year of the two to having have been jumping on Deontay. That was his year two season. He he goes 144 targets. But you know, my thing is like comparing with Juju, who, you know, has had a bit of a downtick, but like they're both age twenty-four. And you know, Juju's are like when Juju got 150 plus targets, he had 1,400 yards. When Deontay gets like 140 targets, he had 923 yards. You know what I mean? So I just don't know if there's truly room to grow. And I think like, like Juju may be used a little more um, downfield as well than he was last year. Cause I mean, that 8.6 yard per catch average, like no one wants to see that again. And so I think Deontay, I guess is I, I would say like, not because of his skills, but just the natural, like, I think loser based on like his ADP in my, in my opinion, is it, it, when I'm kind of looking. So I think I will have the least of him just based on that ADP. Cause I think Juju can replicate that production, uh you know eight nine spots in receivers lower so yeah uh okay so that is the Steelers wide receivers I think that that is definitely an important situation to kind of tackle um let's finish up by talking about some guys outside the top 36 you know that we're targeting that we think could you could be starting you know week in week out by by the time you know mid-season or end season rolls around uh Matt I'll start with you
1: yeah, I've already mentioned a few, uh, and there's, our, once again, a lot of receivers in this range that I'm excited about, too. I mentioned, like, Michael Gallup and Antonio Brown early on as guys that uh, I'm, I'm interested in targeting. Laviska Chenault and Marvin Jones we talked about as well. A couple others, I mean, no one's going to be surprised that I feel this way if they've followed me the last few years, but, like, if Curtis Samuel gets himself off the pup, I'm, I'm like, fire that ship up. I love the Washington offense as a whole this year. But one more guy, too, I'm, I really want to know what you guys think about this player. Michael Pittman is a guy that, yes. you know, outside the top 40 receivers really stands out to me as someone that could become like a weekly wide receiver, too. You know, there's not a lot of competition for targets there. We know that they bring back T. Y. Hilton. I think T.Y.'s a like a role player. Um, you know, I think that when you look at a guy like um Paris Campbell, just not the same type of player as Michael Pittman is. And, you know, he's an interesting one in reception perception because he's at that like 71% success rate versus man that gives you like a pretty good confidence rating for his future. It's not quite at the level of players like Brandon Ayuk or Deontay Johnson, who I mentioned earlier, is like, you know, going into their second seasons, you want to be betting on those players. Um, You know, same with a guy like CeeDee Lamb, you know, but I think when you look at Michael Pittman, I think he had a better rookie year, you know, when you watch him than what he produced stat wise. And I think a lot of that is because he's an antithetical fit with the player that, that Phillip rivers was last year. Like I'm not really going out on a limb to say, I think rivers could not push the ball downfield last year. Cause he retired. Like, I think that that's a pretty good yeah. pretty good estimation there. But Pittman still ran a ton of slants, a ton of dig routes in reception, perception, over 43% of his routes were there. But I think he should be used as more of like a vertical receiver, a true X downfield guy. You know, Carson Wentz, I don't know if he's the player to take advantage of that. You know, there's still a lot of questions there with Carson Wentz. Like, he just might stink. But at the same time, he is – I think Pittman profiles as a true number one receiver at some point. Uh, I think he could grow into that. And the team is really counting on him, too. You know, there are different players like Jalen Rager, that, you know, that, that people compare Michael Pittman to. But I think Rager, like, really blew it with his opportunity. And then his team went out and drafted a receiver in round one. The Colts have really done nothing at receiver. So I think they're really counting on Pittman to be that guy this year. And I, I'm of the opinion that he could uh, hit in that role.
3: I love Michael Pittman. I mean, I think he is nice. number first and foremost, he's a great football player. I mean, I, if you go back and watch his college tape, I've never been so impressed by a guy that I was studying because of like him being a receiver. I was never so impressed with a guy's playing on like special teams. I mean, he, he, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter because he's not going to play special teams for the coach, but it's just like, it's just like, he would always, he would, he fell on like five fumbles. He blocked like three. Like it was, he was just always where he needed to be and in, in, you know, affecting plays. And I think that bodes well, you know, he's just, he, his fo- football's in the family with him. And I think, lines. right. Yeah. And all things considered, I mean, still a pretty decent rookie year, you know, over three catches a game, uh, 65.6 catch rate. You know, he, you know, he, he wasn't bad by any means. And I think he's only going to get better, you know, 8.2 yards per target. I, I think he's going to get better in, in year two. I think that 12.6 yards per catch, um has room to grow. I think that one touchdown on 61 targets has a lot of room to grow, especially considering he, you know, he's a, a 6'4", 223-pound receiver. So, uh, yeah, I think he's a and, – and he's entering year two. So uh, I like Pittman uh, a lot. But um, is there anyone else, Matt, uh, you know, on your list um, before I go to Sean?
1: No, those are kind of the big ones. Also, Mike Williams, too, is another yeah. one that I, I – yeah, I mean, he's just too too cheap for the amount of targets he's likely to walk into. Um, my business partner uh, at Reception Perception, James Coe, uh, often says, like, if we could just get – like, how everybody needed – to teach RG three to slide. Like we just needed somebody to teach RG three to slide. All we need for Mike Williams to have a big season this year is somebody to just teach him how to not land on his damn back. Like so hard every single time he goes up for one of those big catches. But I really like Williams as I think he's just kind of an underrated player too. Cause he was drafted so high. People kind of give him a lot of flack for what he's done so far, but if he can stay healthy in this offense attached to Justin Herbert, I think he's good enough to, to really return on that, on that draft cost.
3: Absolutely, I think that that's a guy Sean and I have been like pointed out for for most of the the season this off season is like yeah Michael Pitt, um Mike Williams is just going too too late um Sean who 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 are the guys that you're kind of targeting a, a, that could potentially be starters outside the top thirty six?
2: Yeah, well, Michael uh Mike Williams is the top guy I was going to mention. I mean, we've seen a thousand yard season and a ten touchdown season. Uh, He could actually put both together this year. And there's almost no downside taking him at wide receiver 49. I mean, I I think he could be a legit wide receiver three to start the season, but this is a guy that you're drafting to start on your bench. Um, So no downside there. Um, the other guy that I like outside of the top 36, he's, he's pretty close, though, is Brandon Cooks at wide receiver yeah. 39. He seems like a slam dunk at ADP. Um, you know, he's one of the cheapest number one receivers on his team that you can get outside of like the Lions. But we don't really know who their <laughs> number one wide receiver is to begin with. Uh, I mean, says <laughs> absolutely their number one receiver. Um, and, you know, it, Tyrod Taylor, uh, I don't think he's great necessarily but he has shown the ability to push the ball downfield and be aggressive you know he has the fifth highest a dot over the past six seasons so you know he surprised people by you know throwing a deep I, th- I think he could help cooks at least sustain value at his adp um and you know there's still a non-zero chance that we see deshaun watson start games for the texans i have no idea what the hell's going on there but that's sort of like free upside taking cooks at adp 39 so i'm all about uh you know targeting cooks heavily at this adp
3: yeah, Brandon Cooks is, like I, I get it, you know, the, the quarterback situation's in flux, but, like, you're still talking about a, a number, like, one receiver who has shown he can produce on high volume pretty much his entire career uh, on a team that's going to be really bad, so... <laughs> Yeah,
2: negative game script for basically every game right
1: like yeah, yeah.
3: right so yeah it, it adds up it adds up to uh, they just I, trade I,
1: Randall Cobb too. open up that target distribution
3: right yeah it's it, it's <laughs> kind of absurd how, totally late, how late how late he's uh, going anthony
1: miller right I mean, uh, right I, yeah I no i'm not ta- i don't talk about anthony Miller.
3: because <laughs> he still exists he's like the most like it's like he had that good rookie year and it just been he's been like yeah. just we forget he's on the field half the time.
1: Tell me, tell me about it, Chris, Of in like reception perception history, like the, if you historical subscribers to the site, like our highest tier, you can go through and like sort by success rate, first man coverage. Everybody's basically good. Everybody's been good. That does that. Except one player, Anthony Miller. <laughs> yeah. Brandon cooks that there's more, more,
3: more love for, 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 Brandon cooks there. um, You know, that that's a guy that I'm looking at. Uh, I think some of the other guys that I, you know, I think Jarvis Landry at wide receiver 40, I think that's, that's kind of uh, a decent spot for him because you look at, you know, like Odell Beckham and and Landry were kind of equal even that year that, that Beckham Mm -hmm. stayed healthy. Um, And and I don't think Cleveland, you know, I know they have a good defense, but I I think they'll pass a little more just because they won't be, you know, without their, all their receivers this year, you know, assuming that they don't go through that same kind of, of injury issues, and you know Landry, it, it, Beckham, and Landry are locked into like into targets. Like it's the other guys, it's you start to worry because you have Hunt and Chubb battling it out at, at, in the backfield for targets, and then you have the three tight ends battling it out. But like Beckham and Landry could each be locked into like twenty five percent plus, and so uh, I, I still think that like wide receiver forty is too low for Jarvis Dar- Landry, a very skilled wide receiver um, in terms of just. Like, I know, you know, people have different opinions on him, but the bottom line is he's been productive pretty much every year of his career. Um, And that's all we want for fantasy. It doesn't matter how, you know, how he's getting that production. Um, So I like him. I think, I think when you look uh, at some other guys entering year two, like I think LaVisca Chenault uh, is another guy that I I like targeting uh, because I I just think, again, I'm low on DJ Chark and uh, Marvin Jones. Well, I think he will outkick his ADP. I like him too. Um, you know, he's also a little bit older, so there's like this non, there's just like a, a decent chance that like Chark and Marvin Jones maybe don't quite cut it for, for what Jackson was trying to do. And, and Chenault, I mean, this guy is explosive. You can manufacture him targets. You can line him up in different spots. Uh, he, and he's entering year two. So there just could be a, there could be a monster explosion, um, from him that people, we might not even see coming, um, uh, because, you know, we're kind of this Jack, there's just a lot of uncertainty. Um, with the Jaguars. So I like him and, and Darnell Mooney, another guy entering year two who came on down the stretch last year, I think at wide receiver 56, he's worth a shot because I don't know if the bears defense will be that great uh, or as great as in years past. And it, again, it's another team where, yeah, they're, they're, you know, there's, a, there's some things going on at tight end and at running back, but it, it, they need a number two uh, wide out. And I think, I think Mooney can, can, can get you like four four and a half catches per game um, just based on volume like just based on availability of targets. so um he's another guy that i'm that i'm targeting in in, uh, outside the top 36 matt we really appreciate you uh joining the show tell everybody where they can find you and what you're up to
1: yeah, of course. I really appreciate you guys having me. This was awesome. Uh, I appreciate like just going back and forth with smart people about these receivers. Cause I, I can get locked in on how good I think these guys are, but it's also good to evaluate roles and everything like that. But yeah, if people want to keep up with me, of course, doing everything with Yahoo sports this year, we've got the podcast, we've got the fantasy football live on Sunday mornings, of course, all just the great stuff we got going on there. But if you like the info on reception perception, it's its own outlet this year. Very easy to find reception perception.com. We've got three tiers of subscriptions based on what type of access you want so that there's something for everybody. We got a Discord channel, a private YouTube show for our subscribers. Everything is going on there. So I hope people will check it out.
3: Yeah, they're really great stuff. Uh, Thanks again for joining us, Matt Harmon. And uh, you can find Sean Kerner on twitter at the underscore oddsmaker, you can find me on twitter at chris raybon you can also find us at those same handles on the action network app and be sure to check out our fantasy football draft kit on actionnetwork.com until next time let's get this money